1: Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. What phone is that? That's
2: the second time it's gone off. They never go home. They never go home. They never go home. Those, those those
0: boys. That's yeah. <laughs> they have asked for that, really. Oh, you can laugh. I was the walk
2: up.
3: I'm a little bit of an idealist, but having said that, I want to be like me. You well, don't know what you're talking about. What well, yeah.
0: well, did you want? Know I'd like you to stay alive for oh, six weeks. I'd, I'd
3: say it to you, please. I'll say it to you it oh, to now. I'm down to field, and we'll see them, will What you doing down here? you surely man.
1: It's November 16th, 2015. The home dressing room at Lansdowne Road. Martin O'Neill pulls his Irish players in nice and tight for one last pep talk before sending them out to face Bosnia. The 11 men hardly need reminding what's at stake, but O'Neill spells it out for them just in case. Lads, he says, if you go out there and do the business tonight, myself and Roy are going to the Super Bowl. That was a pep talk, Murph. Gonna, what a Drop, moment. Drops Mike Early on, early on last night in the BBC, the camera returns to the studio during a break in play to reveal the beaming face of the Republican Ireland manager having a whale of a time in San Francisco. He explained to presenter Mark Chappers-Chapman that he and Roy Keane had promised themselves a little treat if they qualify for Euro 2016 and that treat was a trip to Super Bowl 50.
4: Yeah, i just love uh, to have been... I'd like to have heard the conversation where they promised each other a trip to San Francisco. What do you
1: really want, Roy? Yeah. What do you really want, Martin?
4: No, maybe they were just getting really stressed out, you know, and they were just like, listen, when all this is over, we're just, the two of us, we're just going to catch a flight, going to go to San Francisco, we're going we're to go to the Super
1: Bowl. Yeah, it's a whole joy of planning a holiday I mean the Mm. psychological studies have been done on this Murph it's it's Mm. the planning it's the thinking about it that's almost as exciting as actually going although he did seem very happy to be there this is him Mm. shooting the shooting the shit in studio
4: I've been a, a Peyton Manning fan for a long long time and I think I think if anybody outside Carolina is probably supporting him today although I fancy Carolina to win the game I'm actually surprised that they've come out throwing it. You know, and really, he's done. What a great start for him, anyway. Yeah, just to get some points in the board, but for him to get a couple of completions. Yeah, absolutely. very quickly.
2: I, I'm Do
0: talking you, as if I, I know what I'm talking about. I have no idea. I have no idea.
1: I have enough of an idea, Martin, to mm-hmm. get by. I like your style. He was asked later on about Cam Newton as well. Mark Chapman asked him how he'd like to. How we would deal with managing a player the stature of Cam Newton, something along those lines. I couldn't mm. believe it. I was starting to to lag a little bit, or starting to flag, I should say, quite early last night. It wasn't a great game, no. Um, but the yeah, the appearance of Martin O'Neill buzzed me up, and he was he was very good, very you know you.
4: This is kind of what we expected when he first got the job. Not the him and Tony Dunne Tony O'Donohue. Uh, kind of snapping at each other in pregame and postgame interviews. I mean, we had this idea that Martin O'Neill would be a you know a gregarious uh, TV personality. Uh, while even as he was managing uh, managing the Ireland team, it's not really it hasn't really come the case. to pass
1: now. But he, I think, he needs to get out of that environment. When, when he gets away from actually talking mm. too much about football specifically, he can be very good. The, there was a Matt Cooper interview he did. Uh, it was on location somewhere. I can't remember where it was. Himself and Keen, I think we're both involved in that one quite early on. And again, he was just sounded great. He sounded really relaxed. He's mm. very, he is very funny. He is actually funny. Yeah, it's just his press conference jokes are never that good. And then he explains that he's only joking, and people are never quite sure. And everyone wants to get their quotes down. It's mm. just slightly artificial. So yeah, it's good. Sky, uh, Sky Sports had Lewis Hamilton drop in. Yeah, I don't know your thoughts on Lewis Hamilton. I can usually take or leave him, to be honest. Yep. That would be assume? that would
4: I would also be in that camp. It just there's something
1: I don't know. I don't know. There's something
4: uh British motor car driver on I'm gonna say, you know, you're starting you've lost you're you know, you're uh, you've uh, already lost ground uh, in Roger my Hansel?
1: Damon Hill. Well, we interviewed, we interviewed, we interviewed, I'll, give, I'll give you Damon Hill. Well, we interviewed Damon himself. Hill years ago and it was one of those ones after Quite a nice guy. I don't know why we were surprised that he was a nice because guy. Because he's a British motorcar driver. Okay, well, those biases uh, that, that bias aside, Murph, uh, Lewis Hamilton was really warm. And um, Sorry, I just said motor car driver there. Anyway, on we go, and on we go. Uh, really warm, really into the whole thing. Uh, there's just something about the Super Bowl. I think it takes the edge off people. Mm. Uh, you're just happy to be there. I think,
4: and I think I'll tell you.
1: I have a bit of a theory on that one, though.
4: All right. It's because no one really cares about the Super Bowl, you know. I mean, you could be the, you could be, you could be a Denver Broncos fan in Ireland, and you could stay up all night and watch the Super Bowl last night. If Dem- if the Broncos
1: happen to lose that game, I don't know that it's going to ruin, you know, the rest of February for you. Oh, I don't know. You're trying to say that the hardcore American football fans in Ireland aren't as emotionally attached to their franchise as say Premier League fans are Liverpool United fans etc well I mean I'm sure there. are people uh, have you, from have Denver met these, have you met these people Murph
4: <laughs> I, you know I, well okay maybe, maybe take those those guys out of it but I mean you could be a big NFL fan you could watch the Super Bowl and at the end of it I mean it doesn't you know, it's not really going to affect your day other than it's deprived you of four to five hours sleep.
1: Well, the celebrity drop-ins were much appreciated given the lack of any great excitement on the field. Peyton Manning and his Denver... Maybe you've just caught me on a bad day, you see, because the Super Bowl was pretty terrible. Yeah, well, the Broncos' offence were picking up a few points here and there, but mostly just sitting down letting their defence crush the life out of the Carolina Panthers to the point that poor old Cam Newton, the young superstar of the NFL. I don't, I don't know if I can say it, Murphy, he appeared to wimp out of a physical contest with the game on the line. Can you mm. explain what happened here?
4: Uh, so, basically, the ball uh, got stripped from him. Uh, so, he was just about to throw the ball, gets tackled, ball pops loose, and it, the ball is like a yard away from him. He What he needs to do is fall on the ball, uh, regain possession for his team, and probably have two gigantic uh, people sit on him. That's that, That's basically what needs to happen here. And he pauses for a moment, and then kind of half-heartedly... Kind of dives towards the ball. But, I mean, it's a loose ball, similar to what you'd see in a rugby game all the time, around the side of a ruck. And what you need to do is... D- die on the ball, as they say. Die on the ball. Put your head where you wouldn't put a shovel. <laughs> and uh, Cam Newton, if he had a shovel, it didn't look like he would even risk the shovel. Yeah. Such was his uh, uh, the lack of conviction uh, around this Which is uh, this quite
1: incident. out of character for him. I, I, yeah, because I, the whole
4: idea of it is he gets the ball in his hands, he runs... For ten or fifteen yards, the idea of running is that you're going to get tackled at the end of it, and he doesn't seem to mind. So I mean, it's not like he's he's a he's a brave player, but just at this one absolutely critical moment in the fourth quarter,
1: he uh, he didn't he didn't do it. I just think he'd been beaten up by that stage so much that psychologically he was almost gone, really. But we're going to talk to we'll will have us Murph on Thursday to chat to Brian about how it all went down in his hometown. But today on the Irish Times Second Captains podcast, we're going to talk to one of our favourite guests, one of the top sports journalists in America, Don Vanatta Jr. He's a senior writer with ESPN and ESPN, the magazine. Now, let's get into the opening weekend of this. Oh, oh,
3: what what a a strike. Strike. And Wales are over the line again. 72 minutes gone. Murrayfield, John O'Brien... It could still be on for England. England and Ireland are possibly watching this in despair. Cocker says, enough is enough. The title is going to Ireland.
1: CJ Stander was voted man of the match, much to the chagrin of the Welsh supporters who felt that Jamie Roberts deserved a nod for giving a full-on Jamie Roberts crash ball performance.
4: Yeah, I mean, I think he probably deserved the man of the match award purely for his dedication to medical science. By subjecting his body to that for the entirety of
1: the game. Well, he is a doctor, of course.
4: That's what I was thinking. I was like, if you're a doctor, surely there's. You took. You swore a Hippocratic oath, Jamie. To, you know, to prevent exactly what you're doing to your own body. (laughs) I mean, you have to have a word with yourself if you're to be true to the oath that you swore. Stop doing this to yourself, your body will fall apart. Because I've. Like, I've, I've just. I can't remember seeing a guy. Uh, volunteer himself for so much pain. There's not
5: many rugby players do that anymore. Yeah, Matt Nanu stopped doing that four or five years well, ago. Just
1: bash it straight up the
4: middle. The yeah, time.
5: even Bastros starts to use his feet more. But Jamie Roberts just wants to run straight, mm-hmm. and he kind of gains two, three yards. But he's not going to ever gain more than those two or three yards. It's like a guaranteed small payoff, but for the player himself, you kind of wonder <laughs> yeah. over the long term. Well, yeah, that was
1: that um, phase of play where. The Welsh kept it for more than thirty phases, thirty odd phases, yep. and during that he he was getting up, he was he was making impacts every time, but he was struggling. He was, I would say, he was gingerly gathering himself after each of the impacts waiting around, not really getting involved, then when the time came, getting stuck in and doing the same thing again. It was really uh, striking to see that up close, a, a player like that, who was making a positive impact each time, but also was clearly taking a toll on his body.
5: And had to deal with Henshaw and pain coming at him. Henshaw probably gained as many yards, just in a completely different way, using his footwork, that sort of dashing, lunging thing he does over a few yards. And it doesn't look as attritional for a Henshaw.
1: Well, a draw doesn't always feel great. I think it felt all right yesterday. It's probably a fair enough result. Anyway, Shane and Jerry are ready to go on this. Jerry, are you glass half full, glass half empty? Give, you, give us a precise measurements in your glass, please.
3: Um, 60 to 70% full. Full? Yeah, Okay. I'll go with that. So off the top of my head. You caught me unawares there. I wasn't expecting that <laughs> as an opening question. I didn't want to yeah.
1: overrehearse it, you know.
3: Yeah, well, considering the team that was there, considering the players that were missing... Seven forwards that were on duty in the corresponding game last year, including Paul O'Connell. So it's another six injured. Probably the best four ball carries of the last five years up front. Keane Healy, Ian Henderson, Paul O'Connell and Sean O'Brien. And then he gives a debut on to a new fellow, CJ Stan, who has a blinding game. Remodeled the team and they went out and they just got really well prepared, well coached side and deserved their 13-0 lead. The first two multi-phase drives. 32 phases, no offloads, 32 phases, every one of them recycled. Just a classic demonstration of Joe Smith stroke Irish rugby at its best. And there were full value for that 13-0 lead. And then, unfortunately, one pivotal decision by the officials and a couple of little errors by Ireland allowed Wales back in and Wales took their chance. And then to come back and get a draw, having fallen behind, I think you would have taken that. I think on balance, just it was hard. Everybody was a little bit deflated after the draw, but listening to two coaches, it sounds to me like... Warren Gatlin was slightly the more disappointed because let's face it, home advantage, as I've said before in the studio, doesn't count from this fixture. So I think overall, it was a good result.
1: Shane, are you somewhere around 60-70% full?
3: No, I'm, I'm more. I thought it was a, a
2: very, very good result. I thought it was a very, very good performance as well. I maybe overstated it a little bit after the match, so I was so excited. But prior to the game, I think we were talking about last week and certainly I was talking with the broadcast on RT about how if joe smith managed to pull this off against wales it might be his best victory uh, so far in his tenure and as i said then it's impossible you don't want you can't then revisit that you can't revise it and go actually because they performed really well actually it wasn't that good and you know they should have always won all along i think it was it was wales game to win they had a much uh, more settled side team who knows what they're doing more coming off the back of a World Cup where there was no real negative feeling aside from the injuries. They brought in Liam Williams at the last moment who made a difference. He's a better player than Anscum. Um, much more, Many more caps, much bigger side uh, against an Ireland team as Jerry has, has named all the issues with that Irish selection and got, a, a cre- I thought, a really, really credible performance out of those players. Some of them tipping about as well as they could play and given that they haven't been playing well for their provinces, and I thought they played a lot of rugby, they created a lot, sometimes too much. Uh, they tried to do things in the wrong areas, but I thought it was a very, very good display from Ireland, given the personnel that was there.
5: Whatever about immediately after the game, Shane, over the coming days, if you're thinking about the two performances of Wales and Ireland, Ireland looking to the future, maybe are going somewhere, whereas Wales, we learned almost nothing about them, and I'd say they learned nothing about themselves in that game.
2: Yeah, I think... I think the Warren Gatlin philosophy was really highlighted. Uh, The negative aspects of it were highlighted in that game. The Welsh players, I saw them in the airport afterwards and they were physically broken. They were bashed up because there's a huge physical toll to what they do. Alan Wynne-Jones, he could barely speak. He was that uh, bashed up and they all were carrying knocks and bumps and bruises. Um, It's very attritional. It's very one-dimensional. Um, I don't think it's particularly attractive to look at and they certainly didn't have the balance against Ireland. I think they were very focused on going, we are going to go out in, in the first 20 minutes and physically we're going to blow Ireland off the pitch and we're going to go for 15, 20, 25 phases if needs be and we're going to warren ball them over the line. And if things open up after that, then all, all well and good. But they were met with the complete opposite, Ireland... Cracked open with a huge physical intensity and matched them, and then they brought the subtlety to the game as well. Um, and subtlety was something that I never felt was coming from the Welsh team. And Ireland, I think this is a really good indicator of where Ireland can go because I don't think we're we're best when we try and play that um, that that physical only game. Unless we did, we did at the start and was very impressive, but when we've showed the subtlety, when we moved the point of the attack, when we use used the extra passes, the loops. It worked really well, and they'll continue to work well against, the, uh, against all the sides in the Six Nations.
1: So this is a coaching success for Joe Schmidt then. Jerry has been uh, under criticism really for the first time in his career, and he's just sustained criticism maybe since those first few games with Leinster with Matt Williams on this show last week, for example, and then again in the, in print at the weekend saying the embarrassing hero worship at the altar of Joe Schmidt must end. Was it important for Schmidt to have a have a day like that?
3: Yeah, um, it was important for this team. Yeah, and for Schmidt, and it's a re- slightly rejigged coaching staff as well. They're missing their defensive coach, and um, Joe and Simon used to be between them. Took over the defense and conceded zero line breaks which is a pretty good day at the office, Um, had five of them, five of their own. So it was a good day for the defensive coach, whoever he now is. And it was a very well-prepared team. They knew what they were doing. They were all bought into it, as usual. There were very few weak links in the chain. They all knew exactly what their roles were. Um, they are running off the ball, their work rate. Um, they re- had a high pitch of emotional intensity, which you give to the, the team leaders, the Rory Best and the Johnny Sexton, as much as the coaches, of course. But all in all, I thought it was a very well-prepared team, given that Wales had more caps, certainly in the starting team, and most definitely off the bench. They had way more to produce from the bench. I think, by and large, you'd have to say it was a a good day at the office for Joe Schmidt, for sure. And we'll be tied the day that he's gone, because I tell you what, we're going to miss this man hugely. Shane, Schmidt needed it?
2: Um, I don't think he did need it. I think his um, reputation is solid enough to, um, to take a defeat. And certainly, under the circumstances, was presented before, beforehand. Um, but he didn't. He didn't. Um, it's quite remarkable coaching performance. I think Matt uh, sometimes forgets how difficult it is to to win uh, championships. And, and um, Joe has done two in two years. Something. Well, like it nothing. wasn't just
5: Matty, Shane. I mean, yeah, th- yeah. There well, was kind I mean, of a just, consensus building. Matty,
2: you mentioned Matty in the question, and yeah. I, I think you know there is. I think Manny for also forgets that you know, this, the Six Nations is a tournament that people want to win, you know, and I've heard him mention about, you know, in Australia, the fans boo when, when players um, kick drop goals. Well, you know what? They didn't, drop, they didn't when um, Larkin was kicking them in World Cups or when, um, when um, New Zealand, weren't New Zealand Dan were in Carter World did it. Cup, you know? Yeah. Or, you know. So they're booing them when it doesn't mean anything. And there's a lot of games around the world, you know, not just in the Southern Hemisphere, some of them in the Northern Hemisphere as well, that are sort of, they're watched as, as background noise. They're watched as wallpaper to a, to a day out. But the Six Nations isn't. It isn't like that at all. It's a tournament that people are mad to win. Supporters are crazy for their teams to win. And um, Ireland have now, with that performance, have kept themselves in the chance, and in the hunt of winning a third Six, uh, six Nations. You know, back to back to back. It's absolutely remarkable. And if they had have lost that game, they didn't have a chance. But I still don't think they'll do it because I think it's just too much. But I think that they have a chance now. And for for Joe to lead the players in the performance level uh, that he did, I think it's just another you know n- notch on his belt. It's it's he really is a remarkable coach, and we have to acknowledge that. I I don't I think you know maybe there's there's something in, in what Matt says that. We sometimes overdo it and and ultimately players are on the pitch. But, you know, that was a good game plan and it was implemented well by players who trust their coach. And um, there's a lot of coaches would be very um, happy if they could do both those things.
3: Given any kind of a scrum, they would have won as well. It's worth mentioning that. Given any kind of a proper scrum, they would have won that in the first half. They would have been out of sight. But as if to underline Shane's point about how much the championship has become everything, time was not so long ago, 20, 30 years ago, When the team, three points down with five minutes to go, always tapped a penalty or kicked (laughs) the corner. And even if the score was only 9-6 and there wasn't an earthly sign of a try all afternoon, the home crowd invariably applauded and said, yeah, go for it. Because to not go for it, to settle for a draw, was to abandon hope of winning the Triple Crown or the Grand Slam. Now, the championship, winning the title, has become so all-consuming that you know both teams are relatively happy we'll take they were they were both trying to win it in overtime but we're both happy to take the draw rather than defeat because we mean, all enjoyed the last day of last year's situation so much everyone and wants the same yeah, thing yeah it? and in actual fact ironically the one of the consequence of a draw is we won't now get a three-way tilt to the oh, title in yeah. the final Saturday most probably
5: yeah we we did some of the difficult things really well and Simon Zebo maybe typified <laughs> aspects of the Irish performance in that he took brilliant lines um he was always offering good trail runs um just some real flash and spark about his performance. And then some strange clearance kicks, missed some tackles that looked very basic uh, for this level of rugby. Um, And Ireland the same, you know, brilliant to get to that 13-0 lead. And then for 10 minutes after that, some really bad exit strategies, some poor kicking, some box kicks that went astray, and as if everybody collectively switched off.
3: Don't know about everybody collectively switching off. It's a hard thing to sustain. I do think the... The penalty decision was very pivotal as well. The one that against Keith Earls for the supposed high tackle on Liam Williams. For me, Liam Williams goes airborne in a look to twist his body and make an offload. I'm not sure exactly what Keith Earls is meant to do there. If the law is right, if their interpretation of the law is right, then the law is an ass. That's all I can say about that. Yeah, they made a few mistakes. You have to be really perfect against a good team like Wales to close out that first half. And they will look back with laments. Simon Zebo's performance was extraordinary. At times he looked like he was trying to earn about a three or four out of ten. At other times he was nine or ten. It looked undoubtedly Ireland's player most likely to make something happen. His lines of running were superb coming from deep, just appearing on the ball, really thundering into contact and nearly breaking through a couple of times. And I couldn't believe it that one time when they they switched when I think it was Devon Toner ran a ball out from a counter-attack, and Ireland had the presence of mind to go wide off turnover ball because the Welsh defence wasn't set and that width on the outside. And Zibo made the half-break and looked to give the ball to Keith Earls, who actually wasn't flat with him, was four yards behind him. And you couldn't blame Zeebo for not giving the pass. He looked to give it. And he really has added an extra dimension to Ireland's attacking game from full-back. It has to be said. But he's not as solid in the air as Rob Kearney. He's not as dependable. He's more error prone And I wouldn't be surprised. It would be an interesting one. Shane, what do you think? But I think if Rob Kearney comes back like fit this week, he probably goes with Rob Kearney in Paris
2: yeah I think uh, I think he will. Um, I think he's he's extremely loyal to Rob because uh, he likes uh, the stability that he that, that Rob brings. Um, very good under the high ball. We all know that. I noticed um, Simon as well doesn't cover the backfield quite as well. Mm. As um, as Rob, that that's a, a factor as well. But you're right. He he was with attacking intent. He was really impressive. He also carried the ball more powerfully than I've seen him carry for Munster. I, I think sometimes. Um, he tends to get a little, on a little, he tries to make that outside break uh, by using a jinx step, and it can be okay against, I know it can work against the, the poorer teams in, in the Pro 12, but on occasion he gets in between tacklers, gets very side on, and he can get either get uh, turned over or he looks for an offload and then gets knocked down. He didn't do that. Um, at the weekend, he looked very strong in his running. He did miss those tackles that you mentioned. Some of his kicking wasn't great, and that's unfortunately what uh, Joe Smith will be looking at. But I think, you know, if he doesn't get picked, and Joe does revert back to to Rob Carney, it may, you know, it may play a, a factor in Rob's performance as well, because he probably hasn't been um, as influential in games and attack as he would like to have been in the last uh, few months. And, you know, it might be a trigger for him to go, you know, I need to get more involvement here.
1: Shane, Jerry made a point there about the Irish defence and how well it held up, especially considering Les Kisses left now. Uh, it was interesting, though, Joe was, oh, Schmidt was almost invited to praise the defensive effort after the game, and he seemed a little bit reluctant. It was put to him that, look, no line breaks. That's that's absolutely amazing that, that Wales kept battering the defensive line and weren't getting through. And he said, well... Uh, I think in comparison to the Argentinian match, the Argentinians are a bit more efficient at getting to the edges, so I'm not sure that we've moved on too much. I just thought it was interesting that he he seemed like he wanted to talk down that aspect of the game. Is that essentially code for, look, you know, it's not that hard to stop them making line breaks because Wales don't really try to do that? Well,
2: I think that may, there may be an element of that. But, well, listen, Wales do try and make line breaks, there's no doubt about it, but they... A lot of Wales' play is predicated on the opposition making mistakes and not about them doing something incredibly positive to break down the opposition defence, if you know what I mean. They use power and want... Um, the defensive line. They want an individual error in defensive line. Maybe someone making a bad read, but more than that, someone actually missing a tackle or slipping off a tackle, or not wrapping up the ball and an low being able to get away. That wasn't the case uh, at the at the weekend. Um, they just didn't have the. They didn't. Ireland slipped off very few tackles, and the ones that they did were generally uh, covered up. Um, so I think there's, you know. Maybe that's what Joe was alluding to. I think the defensive effort against France becomes slightly more difficult, um, because there's been a big lead into this Welsh game, and, and the analysis would have been on previous uh, Welsh attacking performances, and a lot of the analysis was done. It now becomes harder week, week. On week after week, because um, you're real time analysing what's going on in the other games. So, a lot of the uh, analysis of France uh, will, of course, be in historic, but given it's a new coach, it'll be what went on in the game the weekend. And I know Joe is taking some of the mantle and so it is assignment needs to be but you know some they have a lot on their plate you know they're very busy weeks these guys you know they're a lot of time on the pitch but they have a huge amount of work to do other than that so they're taking up more time to devote to um defense and i just think it's not ideal both of them are able to do it but there's no doubt about that but it's just not ideal and it becomes more tricky and becomes more stressful and uh, it's a greater workload so i would have i would have certainly had an interim uh, defense coach in to help out um uh, that said with uh, france i don't know you know how sophisticated a, a challenge they're going to be but i think they are looking to to get an offloading game um and with um, jembresi uh, i think is the second row you could uh, you could see him um, really looking to offload the ball and certainly offloading the ball but a huge plus with no picka uh for france this year he was had a big effect on two of the, the french tries and uh, he won't be there for
1: the weekend. Shane, some of what you said there ties back to the previous point about why Rob Kearney would be picked ahead of Simon Zebo for this game. Because on the face of it, and Kearney hasn't done much in an attacking sense for uh, an awfully long time, as far as I can remember, for Ireland. Is that outweighed totally by the fact that he brings the solidity that Zebo doesn't?
2: Well, I think the problem with um, Simon at the moment is he generally makes one or two relatively big mistakes every game. And... Um I know Joe doesn't like that he just doesn't it, it, it's very difficult to pick a guy who makes you know two maybe significant mistakes a game even even one and consistently does it and then I suppose the thought process is does that is that negated by the other stuff that that uh, Simon does and um what you really want is Simon Simon Zebo doing the really good stuff that he can do and actually playing at the higher level for Ireland that that I think he did at his best um, on yesterday. Uh, then he does play for Munster, but cutting out those mistakes. And I think he has got a better. He's become a better player since he's um, he's gone since he's been working with Joe Smith. He has eliminated a lot of the mistakes. There's still a few there. But when push comes to shove, um, that having that really stable fullback, I think is what I think Joe likes that. But I do think he'll probably be having a word in, in uh, Rob's ear, and Rob will recognise that there's a big push for Zebo and that he does do exceptional stuff. And I, I do think I think Rob actually can push himself and contribute more because I think he has more to his game. Um, I, I, he's very he's certainly preoccupied, I know, and he, 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 with um, his defence of duties his his basics and keeping a calm head and and that's served him very well but i do think it's necessary for him to 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 push on him because i think he has the skill set to do it i'd like to see him do it he's been with ireland for a very long time he's a lot of caps He's a lot of experience uh, very experienced lion and um, we can get more out of him and he has more to give it seemed funny jerry that
1: while we did play with the more adventurous spirit and all the points that have been made already throughout the game, and even in those last, in those closing minutes, when you're looking at thinking, geez, maybe we should just kick it out and take the draw here. Mm-hmm. But it, but we're we're still going for, it, manage to get the ball out of our half, out of the danger zone in terms of being turned over and maybe conceding a, a three pointer. And then Jared Payne kicks the ball away or certain, it tries to, you know, chip it, chip it forward and it doesn't work out. People seem quite annoyed
3: they do, yeah. by
1: this. You're not, you think it was, it was fine? It wasn't, I think there was a every bit, chance bit, they were going to get knocked into
3: touch at that stage as well. It was a very narrow corridor he found himself in. Um, yeah, maybe he could have kept it in hand. I think there was an element of the crowd, actually, it was a very funny end game. The crowd almost went quiet during it rather than roaring. They, they, they could make so up their minds, but they wanted <laughs> Exactly, yeah. yeah. And, you know, were Arden really going to score from 60 or 70 metres out? Uh, and then were Wales going to do the same well, well, we're the like we, we were getting into their yeah, half at we, that we point and yeah, then we, we might have had sucked had a penalty it in been, well, we, well it's funny that's what, yeah, that's what both Joe Smith afterwards and Sam Warburton said they were both effectively looking for it towards the end yeah game. we
1: certainly weren't going to score from 100 metres out
5: but no, we might but score but there was from a real we, danger we that
3: one days. player was going to get isolated yeah. and somebody get into a poaching position and by do, taking that risk you were going to lose the game
5: I think the pain of defeat would have been worse yes you know the overall balance of maybe getting a win over Wales yeah Jerry, you made
1: the point about the, the scrum struggling and we're up against France next week. Is that going to be in terms of where we need to improve? Is there any way of improving the scrum? Bar Mike Ross possibly coming well, back? Well,
3: Mike Ross could. Yeah. That was the surprise. In the Daily Huddle with him afterwards, the Daily newspaper speaking to with Joe Schmidt after the game about an hour afterwards. He said that both Keane Healy and Mike Ross would, could be fit to play this week and it's a question of therefore whether they would play for Leinster or for Ireland. My guess is after the way the scrum went on Sunday He might well be inclined to take a gamble with Mike Ross from the start. and that would certainly potentially improve matters, even though he must be fairly rusty.
5: Would you make any other changes? The back row went brilliantly, but presumably Sean O'Brien still comes back in if he's fit.
3: Sean O'Brien comes back in a fit, definitely. You, you've got to bear in mind it's a six day turnaround. And for that very reason alone. They He really might want to change it anyway. Yes, yeah. yeah. And for that reason alone, I don't think Keith Earls conceive can conceivably make it if he's had a concussive episode. I don't see how he can recover, follow all the protocols, and complete, the pro, complete them within six days. I think it takes seven days. So that effectively would rule him out. That's one change. Sean O'Brien comes in. Um, I think I endorse everything that Shane says about Rob Carney. There's a lot more to Rob Carney's game, potentially. And I think, like I said earlier, he's very loyal to Rob Carney. I think, and, he, and I think Simon Zebo possibly gives Joe Schmidt the heebie-jeebies more than any other player, <laughs> along with a few other people. And um, in some sense, it's unfortunate that for Simon because I think he adds so much to Ireland's attacking. game. Zeeble might be accommodating the wing for Earls. And that could be one way around. And, and, and Rob Carney comes back in a full-back. Um, have say the same I thought the midfield went really well you know that's only their 7th or 8th test together we must remember that no line breaks conceded when Payne's there there's no doubt the Irish defensive system works a lot better he's a really good communicator on the pitch um, I don't think there'll be too much scope for too much change other than that um, maybe Mike Ross maybe Sean O'Brien and maybe Rob Carney. Shane anyone you particularly want to see brought in
2: um, well depending on who's fit I think Sean O'Brien certainly comes straight back in Um I think if Ross is fit enough to play for Leinster, um, on this occasion I'd start him for Ireland. Um, Because I I thought that's not a particularly strong Welsh scrum. I thought it was an area that we were going to go after and uh, the opposite was was true. Um, I think aside from those selections, the more important thing is going to be, uh, can we continue with the style of play? And this sort of feeds into the Rob Kearney uh, Zibo debate as well. That I think our mindset was slightly different for that Welsh game than I've seen on a number of occasions. And if you remember back again, I'm always harping on about that game, last game of the Six Nations last year, um, where the ball was was moved for, further wide, and all our backs looked better. You know, um, and that hasn't always been the case. The mindset seemed to change a bit, um, and the players were a lot more willing to 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 use those wrinkles, use a little change of direction, uh, change the point of attack to to. Move Move the ball out a bit further and challenge the opposition. I think that's what we'll need to do against France. And if if we are doing that, all of a sudden you're getting Rob Kearney in better positions where he can, you know, he can exploit uh, his attacking game a little bit better. But um, I am concerned about the emotional and, and physical uh, toll that that game has taken. It was an incredible opening. Um, sal- from Ireland, um, certainly in the in the first 20 minutes as well. But the yeah, the, the body language of the players was incredible. Uh, but that did change a little bit. They did go into their shells a little bit as the Welsh came back into the game. And sometimes it's easy easier to get up for that big match, the first one, because everything is mo- sort of moving towards that. There is the, there's a down after a performance like that emotionally. Even if you win the game, there's still a down because the amount of adrenaline that you you, you use up um, playing at that level. Um, now, luckily, France don't look like a time aside that are pumped full of adrenaline or anything else. Uh, so we may get by. It. We may get by just on that, but. Um, it's a concern, and it'll be difficult. It will be more difficult than the French performance um, at the weekend would leave you to believe, because their performance at the weekend was really poor. All right, listen.
1: Looking forward to it, Shane. Brilliant, thanks, brilliant, Jerry. Thank you. Cheers. Thanks. Thanks. A and in the final, on it
4: again. And here.
0: Top. He's going to be out of the car. I can't speak. Oh, what about that? Send him off. Send him to get Gets off. You'll bottle this get, Campbell. I can't speak. I can't speak.
3: He's the best the world!
1: Of course we could have been approaching this game, Simon this France game next Saturday against a wounded animal had they conceded? Had Sergio Parise a bit more practice in the art of drop goals?
5: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You know, had he earned the right to do that or do you just stick with your key strengths and, you know, maybe he takes it, rumbles it up for one more time and tries to get them five yards closer and Kelly Haimona tries it, but maybe he just thinks, you know, whatever about my technique being inferior to the out half or fullback, whoever wants to take it, I'm ultimately mentally stronger. So... Maybe that's a more important thing and a drop goal clinching. Yeah,
1: well, it's a funny one because there are times when, like a player like that, he's, he's so good and he does have it in his head that he needs to do everything. But I don't know. I don't see that necessarily as taking responsibility in a brave way. It's actually, he he would know he's not going to get hammered for missing that. So it's a, it's a shot at nothing. It's a shot for glory for him. I, 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 I think that's where when a player who's that good and that integral to his team maybe. L- loses the run of himself a little bit.
5: Yeah, but I mean it was getting to the point where they might have got turned over and he just wanted to, you know sometimes in, in soccer there's a build up and you kind of just want a shot so you get something out of that play like at least have a go if they got turned over and didn't even have a shot at goal which is the way it was heading they'd gone through so many phases they'd stopped making any ground I think it was like even if I have a lash of this I'll feel better at the end of the game than if we just get turned over there's a penalty the other way.
1: Murph, what's in today's Irish Times second
0: captain's football podcast please.
2: It's... yeah. <laughs> they have asked for that, really.
0: Yeah, you can laugh. I'm the walk up.
3: I'm a little bit of an idealist, but having said that, I want to be like me. You well, don't know what you're talking about.
0: What well, did you want? Know well, I nice just... to stay alive right, now, out, for six i got a
3: I'd say it to you, face, not say it to oh, now. What you I'm What you doing down here, you Shawnee man? <laughs>
4: So, uh, Emma Malone's in the studio talked to us about Leicester City. And do we mention Ken's prediction of a 4 0 Man City win <laughs> on Saturday morning? Well, yes, we do. Why wouldn't we? In fact, we stopped Ken on his way to the airport for his holidays uh, to come in and talk to us about that. Plus, we have details of a deadly competition we're running. Go on to secondcaptains.com for more info on that. Chance to hear us talk uh, to Patrick Clivert about one of the greatest teams to ever win the Champions League, his Ajax team in 1995. So, Simon Cooper tells us more about that. And uh, LVG's past and present also get a mention
1: of. The Denver Broncos are Super Bowl champions, which gives a near-decrepit Peyton Manning the second championship of his illustrious career, but it was not pretty. ESPN's Don Bonatta was watching. Don, there's a Slate.com headline in front of me here. The Denver Broncos win a grim, tedious, maddeningly ugly Super Bowl. One of the worst. Was it that bad?
0: It was definitely one of the worst. Uh, you know, if you like defense, it wasn't bad, but it was, uh, it was ugly. There were six turnovers. There were 14 punts. Uh, Not a lot of scoring. That's not the kind of Super Bowls that uh, most Americans like to watch.
1: There was a moment in the fourth quarter when uh, the Broncos weren't out of sight. They still could have done with another touchdown at this stage. They were on third and nine, I think, at that stage. So it's third down. Generally speaking, you're going to pass the ball there and try to get a first down, try to work your way up the field. They ran it and almost seemed to accept that, well, listen, we've got a very old quarterback here. We're not really scoring many points we know that we're going to keep the other team out uh it's it's the equivalent i guess in soccer of maybe getting 10 men behind the ball and just defending with your lives
0: yeah that's a good analogy they they had a lot more confidence the broncos did in their defense than they did in peyton manning's arm that's for sure and you know even when the the uh uh, when it was only a six point game, and the panthers were had the ball and just a touchdown would have put them ahead, and they were on their own twenty five or thirty yard line, it felt like the game was over in the fourth quarter that 's how great that defense was the broncos uh, defense proved yet again that defenses win championships.
1: It was interesting to watch because they were the defense was dominant dominant from the start, but it seemed to get even more so as the game wore on i suppose that 's the way it works. The offensive line of the the uh, Panthers was seemed to be dying on their feet out there. Obviously, Cam Newton was getting <laughs> sacked and beaten pretty heavily. So w- w- when it starts off uh, so obvious that the defense is, is on top, uh, I guess there's only one thing that's going to happen. Uh, but by the time the fourth quarter comes around, you've got a team that are completely beaten up.
0: That's exactly what happened. The Panthers did get beaten up. Uh, and... What I was really struck by is just how unimaginative that offense was. Remember, the Panthers had a dominant offense all through the season to go on to those 15 and 15 wins, a 15 and 1 record. And I was really struck at just there was just no imagination. They, they didn't mix it up. There was no uh, you know short flat passes, things to try to get Denver uh, off of their game. And even some of the Broncos' defenders after the game last night, I was struck by their comments in the locker room. That The Panthers did nothing that surprised them. They had two weeks to prepare for the game and really brought nothing new to the table. They expected everything. Uh,
4: a lot of the focus will obviously be on Cam Newton as it was for the two weeks before the, uh, the Super Bowl and now in the post-mortem. Uh, is his failure to dive on that strip ball in late in the fourth quarter with basically the Super Bowl and maybe his reputation on the line, his r- refusal to dive on that ball um, and basically to be subjected to not quite being called a coward on uh, national television, but not a million miles from it either. Is that the kind of thing that could could haunt a guy's entire career?
0: I don't know if it'll haunt his entire career. It's certainly going to haunt him throughout the off season. It really looked as if he gave up. The optics there were very bad. And, of course, in the post-game press conference, uh, Cam only spoke for several minutes to the media and, and walked out. Uh, and so he's really getting a lot of uh, negative commentary about that this morning. I don't know if it's going to affect his entire career. I think this is something he's such a talented player he'll be able to overcome, but it did look as if he waved the white flag at a time when he really shouldn't have.
1: Which is quite surprising given his physical prowess and the type of quarterback that he is is that part of the problem that people have with that that you would expect well maybe the the old traditional quarterbacks might have been seen as guys who are going to stand back and not get their hands dirty you'd have have expected cam
0: newton to get down to get in there and fight for the ball yeah and that is his reputation you're exactly right it's really against type he's the kind of quarterback he's he's the all-purpose quarterback that is not afraid to run with the ball put his head down, bull for that extra few yards. So it was so against his type and also the type of season he had. He was so dominant. He was the most valuable player in the National Football League. And so to not go for that ball the way he did, as I said, it really looked as if he was giving up, giving up on the game, giving up on his team. And uh, there's nothing fans, you know, hate more than that. So it's going to be tough for him to recover. I just think he's He's good enough and talented enough and he'll be determined enough that he will be able to do so
1: without having the ability to read the man's mind why do you think he didn't dive on uh, dive on it so I mean, is, is it just the cumulative effect of all the hits that have been going in on him over the course of the game
0: it might have been that yeah I mean he really you know took a beating in a way that he had not taken all year but maybe even in his entire career he had no time he was off his rhythm the entire game he was hurried constantly he was on his back repeatedly so it might have just been like okay enough you know uh, i know we're not going to win this thing and i don't want to get my butt kicked anymore
4: uh peyton manning has been one of the best uh quarterbacks for the last uh 15 years uh maybe in the history of the nfl but is peyton manning 2016 the 2016 version of peyton manning the worst quarterback to ever win a super bowl
0: Oh, that's that's possible. Yeah,
4: uh, <laughs> it seems Broncos, rather. Yeah, it I, seems a little harsh, but uh.
0: no. It, but I mean, I think it's. I think it's a fair. Uh, I think it's a fair and, and, and accurate appraisal of his performance. The Broncos had the least number of yards of any Super Bowl winner in 50 years. Uh, Manning just looked horrible. He just didn't look good. He looked off his game the entire night, uh, and so I, I think that's a. I think that's a fair assessment. Look, the defense is what carried this team uh, to a championship. Um, And, you know, Manning was there along for the ride. Uh, I'll be very, very surprised if he doesn't retire. I think all of the body language and things he said last night makes it clear he wants to go out on top.
4: Uh, Don, I know it's very early uh, where you are, so I just want to thank you for talking to us, and uh, I hope that you're sitting there drinking your morning coffee from your second captain's mug. Uh, I, I, I trust that that's what you're doing.
0: I am. i always used it, and uh, it's the envy of all my friends down here who are big fans of you guys. So <laughs> I'm
1: sure that's the case. Tom, <laughs> T- Tom Vanatta, great to talk to you as always. Thank you.
0: Thanks, guys. That's one of those things. One of those things That man can never die Only the actors Who play
3: him Bobby, second chance. No he did No he did Do you think Robbie Keane Just said You know
4: what Any questions about me Being the MVP of this league I think he just said Right there Oh yeah
2: He's got more of a Tandem able
1: Hold on a second Murphur. I know what our listeners Are thinking here We're just throwing around These second captain's mugs Willy nilly now huh? Uh,
4: well if you ask uh, Don Vanatta Jr One of America's Best sports journalists he'll tell you. All you need to do is just go on a six-month begging campaign uh, for a second captain's mug. <laughs> and uh, if you have a piece in the Best American Sports Writing 2015, a uh, series of books that I know you're a big fan of, as Don Van did this year for his uh, profile on uh, Jerry Jones, which we talked to him about, the Dallas, Dallas Cowboys owner, then and only then <laughs> will we eventually relent and uh, send you out a second captain's mug. But he he was good enough to Tweet a photograph of himself drinking from said mug, so you can't say can't say very nice. Peyton
1: Manning's main contribution came the night before. Apparently, he gave one of these Paul O'Connell style speeches. Had mm. them all. Had to pick them all up off the ground. They were so full of tears. <laughs> just a crying big baby. Yeah, exactly. It was it? There was a few tears. There were a few tears, but <laughs> it was nice. Nice to see Roger Goodell afterwards, NFL commissioner, on stage, wishing. Peyton Well on his last rodeo as Manning had described it after the championship game no update uh, given by Roger at that point to certainly that we heard anyway a microphone to Peyton Manning about the HGH allegations and mm. the, uh, the current investigation into same standing nearby was Von Miller he won the MVP award Probably not the time for Miller to have it out with Goodell over his six game suspension for using someone else's urine in a drugs test. (laughs) For whatever reason, I think they maybe were right to just leave all that. It was going to start getting messy if they start bringing up uh, that kind of thing, you know. But it is pretty, it is quite grim, you know. You're watching, I'm able to watch the Super Bowl almost as a freak show anyway, Mm. uh, as this other. Worldly type of event, uh, as you're saying, it's it's enjoyable in a theatrical kind of a way. I don't necessarily feel connected enough to anybody involved to to care in the sense that to really get worked up over the amount of drugs that may or not may or may not be taken mm-hmm. by by various um, by various yeah. players. But it, it's really not surprising when you. You, you go down into it, you've got Von Miller there celebrating as though nothing happened. You know, it says, okay, I've got a six-game ban, but but that's it, even though I took drugs and then used somebody else's urine. yeah, uh, There doesn't seem to be much of a d- deterrent for these <laughs> well, guys. Well, think about the deterrent for
4: an Irish athlete to not use, or to 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 stop stop, stop them from using performance-enhancing drugs. It's It's not just the fact that you get a two-year ban from your sport. It's also the fact that you've really brought shame on your family and your sport and everyone around you, coaches from when you were six or seven years old, it's your persona non grata in the sport if you've been found guilty of doping and you uh, admit the charge or it's proven beyond any doubt that you've doped. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's far beyond the two years you lose in a sporting context. Societally, it's just, it's a huge punishment yeah, that, yeah, you, it's a th- point, yeah. that you that you take the risk to, 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 to do that. In the NFL... The only the only thing they have over yet. Is the four-game ban or the six-game ban? But well, this was only
1: six. Be, this was only increased to six because he was uh, alleged to have had tried the, to
4: defraud the doping system. Yeah. So in you, the NFL.
1: all you get is an extra two-game ban for that. Yeah. It's not even like your ban is doubled, which yeah. you think might be. <laughs> it's crazy. It's like what's the risk? But, and then there's a the shame. Yeah, there's the, the on top of that. There's not the same level of shame. some. you, know, you get your Marion Jones figures, and obviously Lance. was well, different. He's not really an American sportsman in that sense. Who who become those sort of hate figures. Barry Bonds. Barry Bonds was hated anyway around America and loved in San Francisco. Mm. And that's very much still the same. I told you I saw him at the one of the Warriors games. He was given the one I was at. He was given this standing ovation from everybody mm. in the crowd. They love him over there. So again, the only people who seem to have any issues with him are the same people who have issues with him, yeah. just surrounding the fact that he was this a good stuff player makes for, you, the, for the Giants.
4: Yeah, this stuff makes you a much better player. It increases your earning potential. You it's not that difficult not to get caught. And if you do get caught, it's a quarter of a season. It's four games, four weeks out of your life. I mean, it's a, it, it's it's barely even a choice, I'm sure, for, a, for so many players.
1: The football podcast is out now. We talk about the greatest Champions League teams of all time and the Leicester City side, who at the very minimum will be contesting the Champions League next year, possibly as Premier League champions. It's... Uh, Sounding more and more real as the weeks go by and the results tot up. Uh, thanks very much for listening. Thanks very much to you, Kieran. Thank you, on. You can check us out on Twitter at Second Captains, facebook.com forward slash Second Captains. Don't forget to r- subscribe, rate, and comment on the show on iTunes. In the meantime, take care. See you there. is that, that's the second
0: time it's
2: gone never home. never home. They never home. Those